Hello and welcome to Gaming the Podcast. My name is John Robertson, joined as ever by Stace Harmon. And this week we are talking about our game of the year for 2021. Now, we set ourselves the limitation of picking just five games uh, as nominees for for this uh, for this game of the year reveal. So we'll we'll go through those now. Stace, do you want to list off your five candidates for your game of the year 2021? Yeah. So in no particular order, uh, my five candidates for game of the year 2021 are Psychonauts 2, Hitman 3, Death Store, Returnal, and Deathloop. Nice. And do do any of those have any uh, any find any positions on your five candidates list? That's what I'm interested. They're a pretty to know. diverse list of games. Hopefully, someone likes one of those at least <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully, everyone's heard of them. Um, okay, so we'll come we'll come back to you in a second. I was list mine. So mine are Halo Infinite, specifically the multiplayer, which I know is part of a game, but but I'm sticking with it. Resident Evil Village, Valheim. GTFO and Loop Hero are my five. Also, pretty diverse. I um, so we have I'd zero like to say. So that's, that's true. Yeah, zero overlap. Interesting. Which I don't think uh, is that surprising, to be honest. I think we have, although we we have similar tastes in some respects, and we can we can talk uh, at extended length about certain games. I think our actual like personal tastes probably differ quite quite. Uh, significantly so yeah we've got uh, several different games to yeah to talk about i mean i would say that even though we've got no overlap i do like all of the games on your list death store was actually really close anyway let's 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 Mm. go into the game so (laughs) if you okay then so let's do this so if um so yeah the format is going to be so stace will will, um, go through a couple of the games that didn't make uh top spot I'll go through a couple and then uh, we'll do that a couple of times, lots of couples, uh, before revealing our um, respective game of the years. So, uh, yeah, so, so you want to go through a couple, two of them, two of your nominees that are not your game of the year, why they're on, their, why they're, why they're on this list, why they're, well, maybe not why they're not game of the year, because... <laughs> <laughs> I liked something else more. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, so I think... Uh, let's pick Psychonauts 2 and, say, I think Death Store uh, for the first couple. Psychonauts 2 is quite an easy... It was quite an easy kind of in for this this candidate's list. Um, and some of it is simply for how refreshing it feels. It feels like one of those games that only Double Fine could make and only double fine perhaps would even want to make like it's it is i know this is a thing now these days for double fine that they you know they their their kind of uh reason for being is is creativity is variety you look at their back catalog um and it screams that and i think that is kind of encapsulated within psychonauts 2 as well i think there's so much variety in it so much that's just feels new not necessarily in the way that you move around the world or it mechanically but just kind of from an ideas perspective just the fact there are all of these different brains the fact that there are even brains you know the level the levels have their own like meta mm. narrative to them um i just i love that I, I love that it's like it feels like something that is like a breath of fresh air and it's just a nice thing to sit down and play and it, it, it comes with the added weight for me of of asking some questions and 
being unexpected, which again is like, it just feels so refreshing. There's moments that I thought were quite, um, were going to be quite heavy or that something was going down a particular path. There's a particular part in a, in a maternity ward, um, part of somebody's hospital brain. You can work that out. <laughs> if you haven't played the game, that's going to make no sense where there are moments of just like biting and like real, just cutting writing that is laugh out loud funny and but it seems that the the subject is very serious mm. but it's it just made me laugh like and it was so on point about parenthood and like expectation and all of these things so psychonauts 2 is kind of a it's a, a yeah as i say it's an easy inclusion um doesn't do quite enough for me to be my personal game of the year but it is uh yeah it's one that i've i've really loved playing and yeah, uh, there's a lot. I think there's a lot to say about it, but we do have a lot of games to to <laughs> yeah. get through. Um, there's just one thing I say. I think it is uh, it is a breath of fresh air. And it's a breath of fresh air, even though, um, or maybe because of I don't know. Um, given that it's a 3D platformer, which is hardly mm. a new genre, but it feels like a breath of fresh air, both in simply the fact that it is a good 3D platformer uh, that isn't Mario. Um, so it feels kind of um refreshing and new almost because it's like an older genre you know yeah. that isn't very popular anymore really no, or, well well there are still but like you know things like ratchet and clank i don't really consider a platform in the same way it's as much a shooter as much like a sort of um basic shooter as it is a platformer mm. so it's almost it's refreshing in the way that you spoke about but also because it's I don't know, sort of a return to form for a, a genre that's kind of not that fashionable anymore. And yeah. also, go on, sorry. No, I was just saying, yeah, and it feels like it ha- because of that, because it has history behind it, not just for the genre, but because of the franchise, it does feel like there's been like a, a maturing of it. And, and it. and I think it's a 3D platformer that is that I look at more for its strengths narratively and from an ideas perspective from a level design ideas perspective than from specifically the 3d platforming Mm. um, element of it and that's quite nice that the strongest thing about a 3d platforming platformer doesn't have to be the platforming for it to be still a very very good game and that's yeah it just feels i don't know it just feels like that's that's good you know good good on double fine thanks for doing that yeah yeah um so we'll move on to the next game but i don't know whether to be annoyed or to applaud you that we literally wrote a book featuring Psychonauts 2 and <laughs> all about Double Fine. You haven't even mentioned it once. Mm, yeah, I should mention, by the way, we have a book out. If you love Psychonauts 20 Double Fine 2, years, go and yeah, buy it. Yep. there's a great companion piece called 20 Double Fine Years that <laughs> we may or may not have been involved in. Um, okay, so Psychonauts 2 is the first of your five, not your game of the year. So... So Deathloop was a game that I had quite a lot of anticipation for. I do have a lot of time for what Arcane does. It doesn't always set my world on fire, but I do. I can always respect how well made it is. Deathloop, um, I feel, was kind of a culmination of a lot of the things that Arcane has done in the past, and it had a real kind of kind of narrative pull like thread throughout it that pulled me through it and that made me want to keep going back to see what was going on it's a bit like the bit like something like Hades I think where it's like there's always something new to uncover um and I think it was in for what could have been a very very complicated like getting lost in the woods kind of what's going on 
kind of experience. I think it, Arcane did very well to construct it in such a way that it's the kind of game that you can play for a week or so, go mm. away and play something else and come back and still understand where you are and what you're doing. Because the UI is very well designed, the kind of the the ideas board uh, that tracks where you are with each thread does a very good job of recapping um to to make sure that it kind of i think almost the, i suppose the the cliched thing almost to say would be that it's like it respects your time it understands that you are going to play other games it's not it doesn't say you have to play me non-stop until you complete me otherwise you're not going to remember what's going on or you're going to lose uh the sort of the the feel of this the muscle memory of how to play this game so i really enjoyed my time with deathloop the thing that i would say that it the, the reason it, part of the reason it's not top of this list is because it perhaps for me did a bit too much of that it did a little bit too much of like keeping track of everything and hand holding and guiding me through this thing that i sometimes felt like i was um hitting milestones or in that very uh sort of demeaning way ticking boxes i was like checking things off a list and doing certain jobs and and in a certain order so that by the time i'd got to the end what i was hoping was going to happen was i was going to get to the end of the narrative see the end of the game and then want to go back and just keep playing and exploring and experimenting Mm. and that didn't really happen for me and i didn't and i was a bit disappointed with that once i'd got to the end of the narrative it felt like oh i'm kind of done and i was not expecting to be um so did you like the start more than the end or was it um no i don't no not really i like no i liked all i liked like kind of assembling all of these separate disparate threads and working out that you need to be in certain places at certain times of the day which i thought was a great great mechanic a great like notion if you've got these different locations and they change depending on the time of day um it speaks to that thing that sometimes games try and do with you know each npc has their own set routine and they if you go and see them at this time they're doing something different but it segmented it in quite a video gamey way it it was like Mm. we are these are these are this isn't real time um like tracking throughout the day this is here's the morning bit or here's an evening bit and they are more discreet they're like more um self-contained and i think all of that worked really well and it was nice to see arcane kind of put together a lot of the stuff they've done previously um so i enjoyed the i did enjoy the entire thing i think from start to finish i just thought there was going to be more because of the kind of game it was it felt like i would be more compelled to continue after the end of the game and use it as a sort of a playground um as a sandbox and i just just didn't feel kind of compelled to it was just i saw the end and i was like oh okay or i saw an end i think that you know there is there are some minor variations on what happens at the end depending on what you do but um yeah so i really enjoyed it i enjoyed it my time with it i just yeah once i was done with it i was i was done and i think part of it was my my own expectation i thought i was going to carry on with it and and didn't which is perhaps where the only bit of sort of disappointment crept in um yeah you know and it's perfectly reasonable to be done with a game once you get to the end and see the credits so that's a that's a reasonable (laughs) thing that there isn't much beyond that but yeah my expectation meant that i was a bit disappointed by that so Yeah. yeah um yeah well we do have a whole episode on death loop of course which we if, do. if you're yeah. watching on youtube there'll be a little link um to that on the screen right now if you're not watching on youtube you can watch on youtube if you want 
Um, okay, <laughs> so those are, <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, it's free country, it's a free society <laughs> in this podcast, and YouTube is free. Um, so okay, so your first two then, Deathloop and Second Arts Two. Yeah. Um, okay, so my turn then. So I'm trying to figure out what order to do this in. Two but... two single player games. It's worth noting, I think, perhaps based on your own list. Um, yeah. So, which, so just remind us of what your, your five candidates so are. So mine's Halo Infinite Multiplayer, GTFO, Valheim, Loop Hero, and Resident Evil Village. Mm-hmm. Okay. So two of those are single player only. Three are co-op. Well, no. Three are multi- predominantly multiplayer. Um, anyway, okay, so let's talk about one of multiplayer. Let's talk about Halo first. So Halo... Um, it's one of my top five, but not my game of the year. Specifically, Halo Infinite multiplayer campaign has come out, which I have not played yet, because uh, single player campaigns uh, has come out, which I've not played yet, because I've been so so much more interested in the multiplayer and the co-op campaign is not out yet, so I will probably wait for the campaign until next year. Is it um, just is it a question of logistics at all here? Then do you think had this come out earlier in the year and then all those other bits and pieces had come out and you'd had more time with it? Do you think it might have factored in more, or does that not really play? I mean, if the, if the campaign is brilliant, I hear it's good. I do, I do hear it's good, but I don't have first hand experience on it, which is why I've just labelled this as Halo Infinite multiplayer. But I mean, yeah, if the campaign's really good and if the co op campaign is good and works well, um, which I imagine it it, it will be. Uh, got you know the game is so polished with um the bits that they've released of the game is so polished. So I've got no reason to believe it wouldn't be. So yeah, I mean if all of that stuff was available now and had been available now for, for I don't know at least a few weeks, and Halo definitely did have the chance to be my favourite game of the year. I think yeah. Um, but I mean as it stands, I mean it's a great honour for Halo to be on this list of five games from <laughs> John Robertson. <laughs> um as game of the year 2021 candidates um, put a little put the little laurels on the uh yeah i can see box. the accolades trailer already that's yeah. Uh... um yeah so halo infinite Multi- so i was looking forward to it for quite a while i've played all the halo games but i've not played all of them especially seriously i think or i think all the way back in halo back to halo 3 is the last time i played a multiplayer for a serious amount of time um halo reach played a lot of as well but like a lot well not a lot but not not a lot in comparison to halo 3 um so it's kind of been a long time since i've put a lot of effort into a halo game to the point that i've put effort into halo infinite multiplayer and and in a lot of ways what is great about halo multiplayer in general and infinite is a great example of it is um it's it's wrong to say that it's back to basics with shooter with fps competitive multiplayer but it kind of is um in that it's all about your movement and your gun really and how you work with your with your teammates there are some sort of extracurricular stuff like the gadgets and the vehicles if you play on certain maps but really it comes down to just how good you are with your gun how good you are at moving how good you are at communicating with your teammates so it's so much more important not more important than things like Call of Duty, but they are they're really what you rely on a lot. Whereas in Call of Duty you've got a lot more gimmicks to work with, like kill streaks and, and that sort of mm. stuff. Um that you don't have in Halo. So 
when you're playing 4v4 in Halo, which I've gravitated to playing almost exclusively now, when I first started playing infinite multiplayer and I was still getting to grips with the game, I was playing a lot of big team battle um, on bigger maps and with more players. But as I became more comfortable and felt, um, felt like I knew the game, Better, I almost exclusively just play 4v4 now. The 4v4 game modes, you know, Slayer, Capture the Flag, Oddball, um, Strongholds. Um, and on that 4v4, like, it's so, it feels like a sport. Like, it, re- it really does. Like, positioning is really important, both in terms of your overall map position and where you are in relation to your teammates. Communication is really important. What kind of guns you've got are, is really important. Uh, in 4v4, like, if someone picks up, like, a rocket launcher, for example, then that's it. Like, if, if that play is good... Then you gotta be. You have to react to that. And be very, very, very careful for the next, however you know, minute or ninety seconds, however long they've got the rocket launcher for. Um, otherwise, it's just gonna wipe you out. Like if you just walk around as a team of four, then that's it. Boom! One rocket shot, you're dead. Um, mm. You've got to be very careful. Like it's the, the game, and for that reason, the game feels feels very precisely and well balanced. Um, because a tiny, I know it's a big impact to get the rocket launcher, but it doesn't sound very big in terms of like normal game multiplayer stuff. It's like, okay, one person on a team in Call of Duty has got a rocket launcher. Like, so what? In Halo, like that can change everything. Like, you know, you could be winning um, by a decent amount and then someone gets the rocket launcher and boom, it's if they use it correctly and if you don't react to it properly, then then it's done for you for that for that period. Um, so because it's so well balanced and on such a knife edge, all the games feel tense. Like mm, things, mm. things can just happen very quickly if you're not prepared for it or if you haven't reacted to it very well. Um, or, or you can ruin it as well. Like if your team is the one that gets, say, the rocket launcher and then someone's just running around willy-nilly with it just by themselves trying to t- tag, trying to take off one enemy at a time. Um you know, and the and the rocket misses and it sails past them or whatever, and there's no wall behind the person to blow the rocket up and get the explosion damage. Mm. And it's just like, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, please take this game more seriously. <laughs> um, you are holding a rocket launcher. <laughs> you should treat that responsibility with the respect it deserves. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I it feels know. like the decisions are a bit more, I don't know. I mean, you know, as we all know, anybody that's listened to this podcast for a while, but certainly as me and John know between ourselves, I am not a, uh, a multiplayer shooter player. Is that what they're called? Multiplayer shooters? <laughs> I'm not one of those. I don't mm. run around a lot with, with guns. Um, but from what I understand, from what I've heard, from what I've read, there is a, um, it sounds like the decisions are kind of weightier and that it's less about kind of those reflexes. It's less about, uh, yeah, like a kill streak, like you mentioned earlier, and that the, the time to kill is a, is a lot higher. And so there's more, it sounds like there's more kind of psychology involved or more room for you to feel like something can happen or is going to happen, or there's just more room for you to think, I guess, more time for you to think and make decisions and that those decisions then can be more impactful rather than needing to react mm. within a split second. Otherwise you're dead. I'm sure there's moments like that too, but it's yeah. more the, backing it up. Yeah. There are moments like that. The TTK, the, the time to kill is, is high in this game compared to pretty much every shoot compared to like certainly all the popular shooters anyway. Um, well, I don't know if it's higher than like Fortnite, but that's not really a proper shooter. But anyway, um 
Yeah, the, the, the time to kill is high. So that means that while sometimes Twitch reflexes, well, Twitch reflexes are still really important because even on the T, even on the high time to kill, you still want to be the person shooting first before mm. the other person. But yeah, those like one off headshots and stuff, unless you've got a very specific weapon in Halo, those like just random headshots or like, you know, random snipe across the map moments that happen in other shooters don't tend to happen in Halo very much unless you do have a sniper rifle, which is rare um so yeah there is much more room for the psychology like when you're in a fight with someone and you're both shooting with each other you're both shooting at each other um trying to break down uh, reduce their shields to zero and then go for a headshot afterwards um only they only last for a couple of seconds but still a couple of se- or maybe three seconds but that's a long time for a shooter mm. um Whereas in other shooters, you can kill someone with a single shot, luckily or, or skillfully. Um, but it does, yeah, it does in that two, three second battle, it does, you know, your mind is racing. Like, should I, should I push on? Should I defend? Should I call out for help? Should I yeah. launch a grenade? Should I change my weapon? Have I got time to reload? Where am I on the level? Like, am I in their base? Am I in my base? What's happening? Like, you know, you, you do feel... A lot of stuff runs through your head very quickly, which, which and there's room for that because of the high time to kill. Um, there's less room for that in other shooters. Let's not say it doesn't happen in other shooters. It just happens in a different way in, in other shooters. It tends to all happen before the guns start in other shooters. But in Halo, mm. it continues mm-hmm. into and through when the guns start firing. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, it's good to have it back. I'm a bit surprised at how much I like it as well, because as I say, I haven't played Halo seriously since Halo 3, and I wasn't sure how mm, I'd But you have played of... a lot of other stuff. You've played Apex yeah. and COD and yeah, Battlefield yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, it could easily come along and be perhaps quite jarring, because it is quite different, but evidently you've responded to it in a good way, because it's on your list of candidates. So, yes, Halo is one of my five didn't make the top spot. I'm trying to think what is the next best game to talk about here. Um, probably Loop Hero because it's single player and also is not at the top spot. So yeah, Loop Hero, um, I mean, it seems silly and cliche and I'm sure lots of reviews have said it, like, but it's got like a really addictive loop. Like it really, really, the core gameplay loop on it is just so involving, um, and so complex if you want it to be i mean it always is complex it's just are you thinking about it in a complex way or not um in terms of like what cards you're putting down and cards equate to like pieces on the board so you might put Mm. down um a piece that increases your hero's health or or hurts the enemy in some way like lowers their hit points in some way or another tile might be the enemy spawn in this area or you get health by going through this area. And it sounds like, oh, why would I want to put enemies on the board? That's going to make it more difficult. Yes, it will. But that's the only way to earn like certain resources that you might need mm. to then go away and build something that you need to build. You have this like persistent village that you build between loops and all your resources and stuff goes into building and upgrading those buildings, um, which then further enhance your hero or open up more classes or open up new cards to put on the board or whatever um so even though it's a roguelike it's got a really well not even though it's becoming more common nowadays but it's got a very strong um progression system in the back of it Mm. um so you're constantly earning well not constantly but you're frequently earning new stuff 
And there's a really interesting mechanic in it as well. It's one of the most infuriating, but also one of the most tense and brilliant things about the game is that on anywhere in any given loop, you can pull your hero out, but you'll only earn 60% of your resources that you've gathered at that point. Mm -hmm. Or you have to wait to come all the way back to your camp where you can pull them out and get 100% of your resources. But as more loops go, typically what happens is that you've got more access to better resources the deeper you go in. But obviously then the enemies are tougher you've got your health might be a bit battered and whatever so it's got that real the risk reward of oh do i do another loop and risk my hero dying and then if they die on the battlefield you only get like 30 percent of your resources Mm. that you've collected i think and that can be crushing um if you've done like a 15 loop run or something you've got these amazing resources you've got these unique resources that you've not had before and then you die um, because you pushed it one too far and you only get 30% of your resources and the game is randomly chosen to take away the 70% of the good ones. (laughs) Uh, All all, all 70% are made up of good ones. It's, oh God, it's crushing. And then you can't afford that building that you got. So yeah, it's really, it's interesting. At first the game seemed quite simple, but it's really intricate because what you end up doing is, okay, I need certain resources to build this building before I'm before i feel comfortable to take on a boss i want this perk that this building gives or mm. whatever so then you end up building your deck of cards because you can only take a certain number of cards you end up building your deck just to so it's like okay how do i work out how to get the most wood in this run for example so you so you stack your deck so that you're getting wood resources back um so you're doing runs um you're building your deck to try to manipulate loops and runs that give you certain resources back but then you're not guaranteed to get those resources because the cards you get are random within your deck um yeah there's a lot going on there's a lot going on with it it's like building game deck building game roguelite rpg like it's it's a really complex game that does that takes ideas that exist in other games but the way that it like blends them all together just i've never played anything that feels quite like it Mm. it's the one i think it's the one game on your list that i haven't played that i really want to it really sounds like something that i'll probably respond to and and spend hours upon hours playing because it does yeah, a lot of that that you've spoken about, the risk reward thing, the, the feeling like you're constantly making meaningful decisions and that there is depth rather than complexity. And that's, you know, those two things I think should be separated. Like you don't need to make something more and more complicated or or rather if you do make something more and more complicated, that doesn't mean it necessarily gets any deeper. That, just, that can just mean that you've just got a bunch of disparate parts that don't fit particularly well together. Mm. This sounds like a really rewarding, really like just satisfying layering of of and you're kind of often you're in control in, in as far as you can be but you are choosing to layer those those things on top and and how you think about the game changes over time when you start understanding how things interact and that's is that like learning the language of the game thing i think that sounds like it's yeah there's a lot in there that i will likely respond to i'm sure i will pick it up um yeah it's a brilliant it's a brilliant game um let's say i've only had it for a week and a half or something but like after a couple of hours playing it, uh, I was, you, you know, you, you can see at that point, like, okay, yeah, this is serious. Like, this is very well thought out. It's very well executed. Mm. Um, as I say, it's, it's, it feels original as well, which is quite rare given the amount of games we play and, and played for so long. I've um, been playing games for so long. It's quite difficult. I think it becomes increasingly difficult to be, like, genuinely, like, taken aback of, you know regarding mm. game genre or 
the elements that it's presenting you um <clears throat> in in a certain variety um in a certain collection within the same game but this one definitely definitely does that mm. okay so that's two so halo multi halo infinite multiplayer and loop hero uh i've gone through psychonauts 2 and and death loop i think going on from like that notion of being surprised by a game or being um just seeing things that were slightly unexpected so death's door uh is a title that did that for me this was a game that you'd played i think for a week or so before i started playing it and mm. then um and this is another game in fact that we've we did then a you completed it before on. i did yeah well that again it's one of those games that i got into and was like yeah i can really again it just, just really respond to this and it there were parts of it that kind of it felt very Zelda-esque, but there were parts of it um that kind of out Zeldaed Zelda for me in the, certainly the top-down Zeldas of old, kind of pre Breath of the Wild. And it's it's a very just tightly designed, very uh, it I think we spoke in the episode that we did on it. It's kind of, kind of, there's these there's these moments of quiet where mm. It, the it just lets you exist and it lets you get on with it and work things out and there's a layering in that as well there's like this this intricacy in the way that the levels are put together and the pathways through those levels and you progress to a certain point and you're pushing on to get to what is effectively the next checkpoint but that checkpoint really is in reality is just that you then come back around to an area perhaps above where you started and then you can drop a ladder down to then on if you die you can then just shortcut up that ladder and you don't have to go do all the stuff that you've just done so there's these like mini cycles or mini loops within the kind of, I, I think of it as like concentric circles where it's it just kind of you start in the middle and it just gets bigger and bigger as you go out and you're you're revealing a bigger play area but then you're also opening up shortcuts to get to the different parts of the area um as part of as like a meaningful part of the gameplay, not just so that, oh, the game can kill you and then, oh, but it's okay because it's given you a shortcut to get back there. Some of the satisfaction and the reward of the game is in working out how these areas are connected and how mm. they link together as not just going from A to B in a straight line, but like in this sort of, yeah, this this way of of expanding outwards. Um and it's it's also like it's odd enough that it really caught my eye, really caught my imagination because it's you're this bird and there's this whole narrative around um, where you like where your position is in this hierarchy and this kind of society, and that impacts how people talk to you and the the assumptions that are made about your role and what you're doing there and what that means. Um, it, it's I think it's every part of it is considering like the previous game um, from Acid Nerve was uh, Titan Souls, which was like, there's definitely similarities there, Yeah, but that was that, that had like a much more implied narrative. Whereas this is a, a much more explicit one. I think there's definitely implied elements, but this is a, a far more, there's a, there's far more story here. Mm. Um, and and it, yeah, I mean, it just feels awesome as well like the the i think something that i particularly responded to was the the upgrade system which i felt was it's kind of unspectacular but meaningful and it will be just things like you 
the the time in between your sword swings or your weapon strikes is shortened by 0.25 seconds or whatever it might be. Mm. And it's the kind of thing in another game, um, like, I don't know, like a Civ game or a Total War game or something like that, where those are the kinds of upgrades where you just have to assume that they're doing something. It's like, oh, your your melee damage has been increased by 2.5% and you just have to kind of take their word for it that that does something. But in this game, you genuinely feel that difference because the the act of of combat and the act of just movement becomes so um, you become so familiar with it because it's kind of there's not a lot of other stuff distracting you that you can feel it when when mm. you get those shortened timers and that changes how you play and that changes like the decisions that you make because it's like can I now go for another strike before they hit me back because my my timer is shortened and it it just kind of is engaging constantly engaging is how i found it to be yeah i think part of the reason for it feeling so good like that on the upgrade on the upgrade side um um <clears throat> yeah and as the as they said as well actually we do have we do have a death store episode so if you're watching on youtube mm-hmm. you will see a little link to that right now if you're not watching on youtube you won't um but yeah, so can, we, but you can just established. Um yeah, so on the plus two point five percent thing. So on Civ, um I think the difference is that you're uh or one of the differences is that in Civ you're going up against evolving states of enemies. Whereas in Death's Door the enemies remain the same. So like that the enemy with the pot on the head is always the enemy on the pot of the head mm. and always has mm-hmm. the same hit points and always has the same moveset throughout the whole game. So the plus two two um attack speed matters because you're going mm. against the same enemy as you were before but in Civ you're plus two on your cavalry or whatever well your enemy might have just had a plus five on their one so it's still a minus three yeah so yeah. you don't feel that same sort of impact whereas those small impacts that you the small upgrades that you make here have a big impact because the enemies are kind of more yeah static. there's a more yeah a more a more constant yeah t- like tangible thing to measure it against yeah absolutely that yeah that that kind of relative progression does make a big difference um and and i think it's it's one of the games that i was kind of surprised by or pleasantly surprised by like i wasn't i understood that it was good i'd heard it was good i'd seen like the steam reviews you you'd mentioned playing it and really enjoying it but i so i thought okay well that's that's great i'll give it a go but i wasn't expecting it as i say that that kind of it sounds flippant but like the notion of out zeldering zelda i think there's there's definitely things in there for me that it it does that um mm. which may sound sacrilegious and whatever but there's it's a real and i think it's it can be important to contextualize it in that way because i think it's not just oh it's good for an indie game or oh it's good considering x or because there's only a handful of people that worked on it it's just a genuinely really, really good game. And uh, yeah, I would I would recommend a lot of people to play it because it's the kind of thing that perhaps won't get a lot of exposure. And I think, mm. um, yeah, it does. And it's just come out on, it was PC, I think, originally, right? And it's just come out on, on consoles as well. It so was it's PC worth... and Xbox originally. It's now okay. just come out on PlayStation. It's come so, out on PlayStation. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth worth a look. But yeah, so that was... It was a pleasant surprise. It was in its own way again refreshing, um, and it it just has this real mood, this real atmosphere to it that that yeah, I just really kind of vibed with. And and it's one of those games that talking about it, I want to go back and play it. It's like it's that kind of thing. It's like yeah, actually, I really, really, really enjoy the way that game feels to play. So yeah, yeah, 
nonetheless it's not my game of the no. year <laughs> no, it's a, it, yeah it is an excellent game though it was the one it was very it was close to making my top five and if of your top five well psychonauts as well but i'd death store um mm. yeah is uh was very close to making my list yeah so the other um perhaps speed it up a little bit but the other other one of my games that has not made the top list and I laugh as I say this because I think this is quite amusing. Is Hitman Three has is not my game of the year. Why is that um, amusing? Well, it's amusing because on the last episode we talked about our five questions episode, and Hitman was <laughs> I labelled that as my current favourite game just in general, just of of all time. Uh. And there was a... Festival time, not best of the year. No, well, there we are. So there's a distinction. I've made a distinction here that I, I we talked about in that previous episode, which is that it's really Hitman World of Assassination, which is my current favourite thing um, that I find myself returning to most often. And that is, for the work, for the, what I have of that content, is all three Hitmans. Uh, so since 2016 through to Hitman 3, this year's Hitman 3, plus the Hitman 2 DLC, it's the whole package. It's like the whole framework. That is the thing that I enjoy the most kind of going back to and, and just playing with like a toy, which I mention every time I talk about Hitman is this like toy feel of it. Man just wants his toys. Yeah. <laughs> My man <laughs> Enter toys. Hitman. Um, that sounds odd. So, but Hitman 3 in this context is hitman 3 in isolation it is it's not how that feeds in it's not what that rounds mm. out the package as it's hitman 3 was released this year and that game in and of itself i've still really enjoyed and if you just take those distinct hitman 3 levels um i've really enjoyed and i definitely they're still ones that i go back to when i when i do dip into like the world of assassination i'm definitely playing the hitman 3 levels as well uh but yeah as a standalone thing it's not um it's not my favourite thing of the year. And so, but for all the reasons, I mean, we did a Hitman 3 episode back in January, I believe it was. Um, I also talked quite extensively about Hitman World of Assassination last week. So there isn't a tremendous sort of amount more to say about it, just that I haven't already said. that It's, it's really just how that, how much I enjoy interacting with kind of the, the clockwork nature of it and the experimenting with just being existing in its world without any without going in with a specific goal in mind um and it's simply it's just the game hitman 3 as part of world of assassination is the game that i return to time after time so it's it just is sort of an it's a self sort of self-evident um entry on this list for me because it's a game i keep finding myself going back to so therefore it must be one of my games of the year but um mm. Yeah, it's kind of a bit nebulous because Hitman 3 and Hitman World of Assassination are two different things. Um, and I think that's all I'll say about Hitman at this at this point. <laughs> you didn't men- so you didn't mention 47's magnetic personality. Well, yeah, the narrative is just stupendous and all the rest of it. Uh, yeah, for somebody who likes a lot of, you know, narrative heavy things, I do love how just, it's just with abandon, you know, it's like there is no, it doesn't make narrative sense and it doesn't. It doesn't need to, and that's I quite enjoy that. Just like, even though there is one, and it sits there, and there is a very specific story that it's being told, it's just like oh, whatever. That's um, 
yeah, that's not the thing that draws me to it um, and keeps me coming back to it. Okay, so we know four or uh, we've been through four of your five now. So if anyone's been listing keeping track, then they will know what your game of the year is. But before we talk about that, uh, it's my turn to go through two other games that did not make my uh, number one spot. So let's talk first then about um, Valheim. Let's talk Valheim. So some people might feel that it's a bit of a cheat. Valheim's not out in 1.0 version. It came out in early access in February and it's still in early access. Um, anyone, anyone with a PC, anyone that ever watches Twitch may well have already played Valheim because it was for a few months just <laughs> ridiculously, ridiculously popular. I think it took um, Iron Gate Studios by... Um, by genuine and huge surprise um how popular it was um i don't know how popular it still is they released a big update uh, six weeks ago two months ago um which might have brought more people back into the game but i don't know how many people are still playing it um but anyway yeah uh for a while for i don't know three months maybe valheim was basically the only game i played in the evenings um it's um well have you you haven't played it have you no it's, no i've seen lots of it and yeah but and that and i would say that's unusual for you i mean you tend to have more games on the go than i do i'm i tend to be much more the kind of get into one game and play that almost exclusively so yeah for this to be a game that you were playing almost it sounded like almost it became a way of life like it was a it was <laughs> yeah. like your social engagements um, were like around yeah <laughs> so there was there was quite a big group of us playing i think at the at the peak we had like six seven people in the same server so we rented our own server uh because typically the way servers work in a game is that one person creates the worlds and then everyone else that person then hosts that from within the game so you can only play when that person's online but we went outside of that and bought, rented a server so that anyone could just log in at any time. So you didn't need a single person to be online to, uh, to play it. And it was, just, it was literally a thing where, like, you know, uh, um, so in Valheim, you build bases, you explore, you defeat bosses along the way, which unlock new stuff to build and whatever. Um, but it was really the building that was the main thing. And like at lunchtime, I'd just like go in there by myself and just be like, oh, well, I'll just like, I'll build some more of like the outer wall or I'll build a watchtower or I'll go and explore where the best place for a harbour is or something. So you just like log in for like half an hour, which turns into like five hours. <clears throat> I'm expecting that you're just going to be the only one in there at like 1230. But there'll be like two other people in there just like already, already in there as part of our server, just already playing it. I haven't told anyone. They're also doing the same thing, probably just like trying to get a sneaky bit in there. But, you know, too ashamed to to, to tell anyone that they're, <laughs> that they're going in there at 1230 um, midday. So then, yeah, you go in there and definitely a couple of times I went in there and like turns my marker off so they couldn't see that I was there. Um, <laughs> like shame Valheiming. Um, <laughs> uh yeah but um yeah it's the building mainly in that game and we built like a huge village uh many buildings in there there must have been like 10 12 buildings in there we had like a whole farm area where we domesticated livestock we had trenches around the base to stop like troll attacks um yeah and it was really great and then we kind of got overloaded on it i think 
and exhausted all the content because you know this was still sort of like phase one early access before the big update um haven't actually played it since the big update but we have been making noises in our Velheim group about getting getting back in there um but yeah of those sort of like shared worlds um co-op exploration base building resource gathering survival games it's the one i've been it's the one i've been most into um because it's more private so it's more kind of like locally based around friends and who you want to be in the server mm. rather than like rust which is just mm. like no holds barred everyone just you know screws each other over every opportunity um it's it, i don't know it, it's it's almost like the same feeling you get from that it's, it's almost like a more involved or more not involved but more like on the ground version of like sim city or something but mm-hmm. you have to go out and do your own collect your own resources and you're more directly involved in things rather than seeing it like a, as an oversight perspective yeah. like in sim city but it's the same sort of feelings it's the same for what i got from it anyway like the bosses and and that are like fun and they're decent but they're not the main part of the game it's really just sort of seeing what you could do at with these very robust malleable building tools mm. was the main thing and what sort of village you could put together and it was really neat like you if you didn't play for like one or two days you come in to the and then someone has built like this whole new thing and it's like oh that's amazing mm. so the game really felt alive i mean obviously it was the players that were doing the living in the game but the game sort of creates um room for you yeah for that to happen yeah um <clears throat> so yeah that's three or four of my games that are not the game of the year so the fourth game is resident evil village which is brilliant, but not quite game of the year. So when I first played Village, so I was super hyped about it. Um, if you listen to our other episodes, we also have episodes on Village. We have an episode specifically on Village, don't we? And multiple mm-hmm. about Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, At that point, it was about it being an action game. It was that was the yeah yeah that was the episode sort of the crux of the episode. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I was super hyped about Village. Um, coming out in in the in the run-up to it i was like there was no chance i wasn't gonna play it day one like immediately um but when i first started playing it for like a couple of hours i think i wasn't like that enthused about it um but after that i started to to really enjoy it i I think i was a bit taken aback by how actiony it clearly was from the outset it was very clear that this is not this is more Resident Evil 4 than it is Resident Evil mm. 1 mm-hmm. or 2, um, which I thought was a very brave... Or 7. I mean, that's... Or 7, you know, yeah, Some yeah, people exactly. would come into it off the back of that as as perhaps their definitive or even only Resident yeah. Evil experience. So. Yeah, for sure. And I thought it was very brave to change the game so drastically from the tone and the pacing set in Resident Evil 7, because 7 was such... A massive return to form, sort of re- reinvigorated series, brought it back to like a sort of tier one um, megastar um, in mm. like gaming property. Um, so yeah, it was very brave. Some would say silly to kind of change from that formula. Um, but the changes make makes me respect Capcom even more. Like Capcom, again, we've had an episode about this, but Capcom can almost do no wrong at the moment. Like their their ability to create sustained interest in franchises with monster hunter devil may cry street fighter 
Resident mm. Evil is just absolutely like it's close to second to none. Like okay, then Nintendo, yeah, fine. But beyond after Nintendo, Capcom absolutely brilliant at sequels, and they put real value into sequels. Like they're really worth playing. Like the different mm. Monster Hunter games are really worth playing. Different Resident Evil games are not wildly similar. Of course, they're more similar than different, but they're certainly not the same as one another. And yeah, Village uh, Seven to Village is a very big very big change and yeah i was a little bit disappointed at first but i don't know once you then once you sort of like rid yourself of the baggage almost of comparing yeah. it to resident evil 7 and it, then it starts standing its own right it's like an adjustment period like a, you have to sort of disengage from your own expectations and then engage with what resident evil village actually is and yeah. then you can start seeing it or appreciating it for its own its own thing I guess. yeah and then, and then once it's all said and done then then's the time to i think be looking at it in terms of you know missed opportunity would it have been better if it was like resident evil 7 or, mm. or do i appreciate this change or whatever um it's going to be interesting it's moving on a bit but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the next resident evil because as much as i like village the story in it is ludicrous like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's Resident Evil, so, I mean, you know, we're not expecting anything other than that. But, um, like, Ethan, the guy that you've been playing through 7 and 8 is, there's a spoiler, he's basically made of fungus. Yep. And, I, and it's like, oh, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, um, <laughs> I'm going to suspend my disbelief pretty having, radically. To continue the spoiler theme, yeah, having died in Resident Evil 7, which you... Don't know. Like he's he's been yeah. Know, so it's classic by mold. Basically, it's kind of it's mold. Yeah. yeah, kind of. It's but it's um yeah. It's um yeah. You've got you've got to um you've got to suspend disbelief. But I mean, that's not really the. But that that's like a silly, almost like sideshow, really, to Resident Evil. Like what I like about Village, and this is something that some people didn't like. Like I like the fact that it is like different. The game is so sectioned off so that there here's this area. Mm. Here's the swampy area, which is the worst area in the game. But here's the swampy area. Here's the horrible haunted house. Here's the the vampire castle. Here's the industrial the factory. Yeah. 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 And I like that too. I was just going to quickly say, I think, I do think that perhaps caused Capcom some problems retrospectively because a lot of people responded so, as we saw, so uh passionately shall we say um to lady dimitrescu and that that aesthetic and that part of the game only to find out and capcom weren't i didn't think foresaw that only to find like through the marketing that that happened only to find out when you get into the game that that isn't very much of the game at all that's i don't know like the opening few hours right and then it's like yeah it's done and because it's sectioned off in this way that you're describing it's done. Like you don't go back to it. It's, it's finished. Um, that level effectively is, is complete and, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember being disappointed actually that that level finished and it's locked off. I mean, it's a cool boss fight at the end. It's classic, like Resident Evil madness, but of, of, um, uh, boss fight at the end of that sequence. Mm, mm. Um, and I was a bit gutted, disappointed that, um, yeah, we were leaving the castle but then the game like pulled me back around. I guess the theme of Resident Evil Village is that I was constantly disappointed by it at regular intervals, <laughs> but then it always like pulled me around, convinced me again. It's like, yeah. okay, all right, I, I get it. Um, that speaks to the... I mean, I didn't respond to it at all, really, in the same way that you did. I, I was more played through it. I was like, okay, yeah, I see that each bit is well done. 
I don't have that same affinity for it, but it speaks to it. The quality of it, it sounds like that it can disappoint you and then still win you over with the next thing that it does. Cause there are plenty of games that are very well thought of. My mind unsurprisingly goes immediately to something like the last of us part two, where once they've lost you, people are like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm not, you're not, I'm not coming back. Um, or you're not winning me. Even if I stay and complete the game, you're, you, you've lost me. You haven't, you're not going to win me back over. I will write an angry Reddit post yeah, imminently. Several thousand words worth. Um, but yeah, but Resident Evil, it sounds like it was able to kind of almost clear the slate and then here's the next thing. Here's your next course, effectively, of, of this. Yeah, meal. yeah. And, and I want to get it straight as well. Like, whilst like I'm always looking to be impressed by Resident Evil, mm, I'm looking yeah. for the good in it all the time. So I was always, I was very in a sort of, um, in the position that my mind was at, I was always, I was always, I had a bias towards liking it. Um, but I don't see that as a bad thing necessarily. Like it does open you up to really appreciating its strengths when they, when they do come and not letting something else that you don't like, one element you don't like about it, just like overshadow the whole thing. Well, it's not if, I mean, if, yeah, sure. If you're, do, if you're, you know, writing up a professional review, then that's one thing. If you're playing it for fun for yourself, then that's, you know, who, so what? If you, if you have, if you lean towards it and you're willing to overlook some of its flaws and like you're willing, wanting to be impressed by it, then yeah, that's, that's not, that's not a bad thing. Uh, it doesn't have to be objectively amazing for you to love it. You know, it's like, yeah, I would say that Resident Evil 7 is better than Village. And I'd kind of want nine or whatever they call it to be more like seven than village. Cause I think you can have villages, the kind of, it's more like sweets village where it's more like a dessert. Whereas mm. like seven is more like a main course. Like I can eat more savory food, but I'm kind of done with the dessert now, mm. you know, like it's kind of that easier kind of more in your face, more energetic form of, um, sustenance <laughs> weirdest <Yeah>. weirdest comparison <laughs> ever but there you go um, yeah. that's all i've got um okay. so resident evil village slash resident evil 8 did not make your top spot for game of the year which means so how do we want to do this do you want to go first do well go first? yeah sure i'll uh no i'll tell you what why don't you because i haven't played yours i've heard of it i've seen it but i haven't played it so why don't you go first all right and then we can go to mine, which we can both speak a bit on. Yeah. Okay. So um, as you'll know, if you remember my opening five games, um, well, let's just go through them. So my nominees that didn't make it, Loop Hero, Valheim, Resident Evil Village, Halo Infinite Multiplayer. So that makes my game of the year, GTFO, uh, which has been out for a couple of years in early access. It just came out in start of November, um, not long before this podcast, um, <clears throat> as uh it's just it's just moved away from early access into full release um although if you're listening to this then you have time to get the early access price until next year they're extending it until next year um i don't get any 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 kickbacks for that just just play it's good public Um, service announcement yeah so gtfo it's pc only it's by a little swedish developer called 10 chambers um it has got quite a lot of buzz because like the reviews that have been out of it are ridiculously positive and like on steam i think it's overwhelmingly positive or very positive reviews i can't remember but anyway people that play it like it so it's, as um, a synopsis for those of people yeah, that haven't played it or even seen a, it, what is it 
It's a four-player co-op, up to four players. You can play a fewer players, but I wouldn't recommend it. Up to four players, co-op survival game, um, first-person survival game. So you're one of four poor sods that gets transported into these areas. I don't want to go into too much into the narrative because mm. it will spoil it a bit. And also the narrative is very, like, bitty. The developer, the, the, like, there's just bits of information all around the game that there's you have to piece together you know, mm. which i don't i just go on reddit and have someone else <laughs> piece it together for me um yeah so basically so you're these four guys you go in you've got your guns you've got tools like some of you might have a, an auto sentry turret that you put up some of you might have mines to mine up doors or there's something called sea foam which you can plaster on doors to strengthen them to stop enemies bursting through them so quickly and you basically got to reach objective points and either find something in the level or get through a level safely or get through a level whilst um, not being able to avoid setting off all of these alarms, which causes loads of enemies to rush at you and you've got to survive that and whatever. There's like the odd um, different objective type. But really, it's a four-player survival game. If we get from A to B, do some stuff on the way. Enemies are really dangerous. Uh, they will kill you. Um, but they aren't automatically um, knowing of your presence. So they're blind, but they have really good hearing. And they're, well, they're blind in 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 our in in compar- in the sense how our eyes work. They can see or sense on the infrared spectrum, but they can't see normal mm. light as we see it. Um, so f- like flashing torches and stuff at them will alert them anyway that's going into too much detail like the game is just super difficult super 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 difficult four player survival is it a very role heavy like what what's the difference between this in a basic way between this and say the newly released back for blood like what's the why is it well it's way slower for a start it's way more stealth heavy Mm -hmm. way more stealth heavy like stealth is your best friend um taking out enemies individually silently not alerting the horde of enemies, although the horde's not the same as in Bat for Blood. Like here, a horde might be like eight or mm. 20 enemies, and Bat for Blood might be like 100. But the individual enemies here will absolutely obliterate you, whereas in Bat for Blood, each individual enemy is mm-hmm. nothing really. Um, so you've got to be super, super, super careful. And that's really the main thing about the game, really being careful. So you have to communicate to, to a degree that I don't think communication has been i don't think communication has been so necessary and and a just a straight up necessity um Mm. as in as in gtfo because in a lot of co-op games certainly ones where you're shooting guns you're really kind of fighting by yourself i feel like you just happen to be alongside other people that are doing the same thing yeah but in gtfo you really 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 have to work together to um to to the nth degree um not only because like friendly fire will kill your teammates so like running around the battlefield well if you alert the enemies and they're running at you and you're strafing left and right like halo style it's like well get you're getting in the way of my shit like i'm gonna kill you from the back if you just keep doing that in front of me um so there's that level of communication but because it's also so easy to scare or to alert the enemies and have them all rush you and then if you're not prepared there's a decent chance that you'll die. Um, I mean, there are people you can go and look on YouTube and they solo the, they solo the maps and they do all yeah, this stuff with a hammer people. and it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. 
but for any normal people it's just uh, you know you can't do that you need to slow down like we'll often do this thing where we have like a safety sentry we call it so like we so we look into a room we'll have the track the bio scanner where you can like see life form see heat signatures through walls and stuff it's like okay we know there's like eight enemies that we can see on the scanner in here might be more um it's like okay we'll try to stealth kill them with our melee weapons ammo ammo is super precious as well like super precious you really don't want to be shooting if you if you can help it um but we'll set up like a safety sentry so like if it all if it all goes wrong just run run away behind the sentry and let the sentry it won't it won't like kill all the enemies but it will stagger them Mm. slow them down enough that you can just like easily kill them afterwards with with your own weapons um but yeah, just just that level of teamwork in deciding, constantly talking. Do we need this? Do we do we need that? Who's got the scanner? Who's um you know who's mining up? Like when are we when are we doing this? If it fails, where are we retreating back to? Who's standing where so we don't shoot each other? Um, who's got the spare ammo if we need to reload quickly in a fight? Like all of that stuff. Like, um, it just makes you feel really connected to the other players, which is the real which is the real gem in the game's sort of crown, really. Like, the, the, the level of connection that it makes you feel with the other players is, is, just, is just outstanding. And, like, you get to know bits about them. Almost like, you know, when people say, like, oh, when you're in, like, a life-or-death situation, mm-hmm. that's where you really know, that's where you really see the, the real person. And that kind of happens in this. Um, like, you can see who panics quickly, who keeps their cool, like, how 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 risk averse are people how much sort of safety net do the do other people feel we need and and whatever it's mm. um it's like it's it's a yeah creates an interesting like window into their soul it I sounds guess. like there's a there is a well clearly there's a, an increased importance and um sort of priority put on playing roles choosing roles talking about those roles it reminds me of um that horror game uh phasmophobia that that again was kind of mm. on the rage uh last year i believe it was mm. um that was again very much like this is not a thing that you can do by yourself and sure i'm i'm, I'm sure there are people that do because there always are but like it's it's intended mm. to be and everything about the game is leaning towards co-op and and yeah communication and actually just not needing to do everything, but just needing to do the thing that you're doing well. And that's what you're there for. And there's that, like the satisfaction comes from, from achieving something as a team that you probably couldn't as an individual, which most co-op games, particularly back for blood, I think not particularly, but back for blood, because we've mentioned it already. That's how I, like, I try to play back for blood. Like that'll play it as a medic and, and all of my cars are kind of towards that. But then there are people just, perhaps randoms if i'm playing with randoms online taking health kits and just using them on themselves and it's like Mm. undermining that and perhaps you know what i really need is to play a game like this where you have to you have to not just work with other people but talk to them and actually you know even if you are playing with random people you share that moment for a little while where you're all working towards the same goal and people aren't just like lone wolfing it or trying to you know so that's yeah it sounds rewarding but it sounds like hard work hard work in a you know it's a commitment but it's like it's rewarding yeah it is hard work yeah and when you get through a level like it feels really really satisfying and you do have roles like you say but they're not like kind of enforced Mm. roles it's not like and now you will be you're the only one that you use Mm -hmm. many packs or you're the only one that can give ammo or whatever like everyone can do all of those things 
Um, the only your differentiation comes from the guns you choose and the tool that you pick. So I've recently gone around with a bio tracker that senses heat signatures. So I'll be the one who's sort of like going up to all the doors, seeing what's behind the doors, communicating that to everyone, mm. trying to work out a route, a route on the map or what we know of the map. That's going to be best here. Um, other people, someone else we play with always uses the computers. Like they're just, they're best at the computers. They know all the commands because you have to like type in mm-hmm. stuff, almost like DOS <laughs> to like work out where stuff, are, where things mm. are in the level and ping items and stuff and whatever. So this, the, the same person typically does that um and then other people then the others are like you know scavenging for equipment and stuff and seeing what there is to find in mm. the level which is super important um, so it's role based not in that the characters are divided up into roles but more in that there is this stuff that needs to be done and who's going to do yeah, what so you need to is, yeah you yeah. need to split and specialize into doing you make your own mm-hmm. sort of splitting splitting up into different roles and specializing in those roles um yeah and you, and you do it for yourself you're not it's not enforced it's not manipulated it's like you can have one medic and yeah. this is the one medic yeah. like no it's not like that um you end up taking roles because it's beneficial for yeah. you not because the game's telling yeah. you to yeah um I so if yeah, that's why people no, embrace um, it more because if they're being told that they should then they're less likely to but if they're just like if something is put in front of them it's like well this is the best way to achieve this so let's just do that because it yeah, makes the most yeah. sense also, just one last thing. I just want to say the Discord community on GTFO is is just so nice mm. as well. Like, like it's so so friendly. Like, I've I've been on there um, and just played with randoms, like from all over the world, all over the world. Like recently, I played with someone from Minnesota, someone from Ukraine, someone from had a French accent. I don't know where they were from. Um, but yeah, the people on there, like the more the veteran players on there, are just always so not just willing, but like excited mm. to like go through a level with you and like teach you new stuff and give you some, cause the game really teaches you nothing. <laughs> like it really doesn't uh, on the, on the new, on the 1.0 versions that's come out. The, the first rundown, the first level is pretty straightforward compared to what the opening levels were. So, so it has this rundown system. So every few months they'll have a new rundown. They call it rundown, like a se- sequence of levels we're on rundown six so every so on rundown seven rundown six will be completely deleted from the game and a new set of levels will be added mm-hmm. um <laughs> so every few months the whole the whole game changes the world of the game just completely yeah, replaces itself awesome. with a new one yeah um so yeah gtfo is um as i say it's been out for a couple of years early access but it came out full release um and it sounds like it's for people that might be looking to get into it's probably it sounds like a good time because it is now like fully out you there's less to navigate or less to i don't know put up with in a way like there's it's a bit more as inviting as this game can perhaps be it's it's the most inviting that it's ever been so yeah yeah and you can get it as i say you can get it for a cheaper price if you buy it this year rather than wait until next year there are some other bits that are added to the 1.0 version like there's now like a gear system we can like change clothes and that but uh, frankly it's it looks terrible that, so. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise it's a great game don't worry about that bit um okay so yeah gtso for me so now game of the year john robertson 2021 gtfo so similarly just to run through the four uh that were candidates but didn't make the top of my list they were psychonauts 2 death loop hitman 3 and death's door so that makes my game of the year 2021 returnal 
Um, and we talked about Returnal several months ago. We talked about uh, whether it's kind of a fair experience, a fair kind of AAA experience for new players. Is it? Does it do enough? Is it? Is it kind of unreasonable for this to be a AAA experience when it is doesn't really have the trappings and the uh i guess things like the tutorial system or the information that it gives you um that is inviting to new players it makes you work quite hard to find out how it works and and what it does and yeah i think we also spoke about like is it was it fair to push this as a triple a 60 dollar game and push it in the same way as you would push like uncharted to someone is it fair to have a roguelike experience of this sort positions like yeah. that to more casual games yeah and so that's yeah that's still a valid question i mean i would say i think on that note the recently introduced um suspend cycle feature now means that for anybody coming to it now it means that it sounds very unspectacular but it means that you can now save and quit your run which you couldn't do before and there was no reason why you couldn't do that before that I was ever really, that I could ever really understand. Um, I don't feel like it detracts from the game in any way. This is not a question of like dumbing down. This is not a question of, oh, it's just made it easier. It hasn't. It just literally means that like most other games, you can stop in the middle of playing it and quit it and play something else. And you couldn't do that before. And it just, that sounds nuts to say that in 2021 is say. Like, it's crazy. Um, so I was sort of uh, relieved. I was a little bit surprised. I typed in games that came out in 2021 because I just, my mind these days is that 2020 and 2021 have just run into each other and was almost surprised to see that, oh, Returnal did come out in 2021. Oh, that's awesome because that's, that is my game of the year. But it's, uh, it feels like such a long time ago that um, it could have easily come out in 2020 and I wouldn't have been surprised. So I went back to it recently and was playing it since this suspend cycle feature has been introduced. Um, I would say logistically, like it doesn't make a huge amount of difference to me that bit because of I'm so used to playing the game without that, that it's, it wasn't the thing that really ever put me off, although I could completely understand why it did for a lot of people. But it does just make it that bit easier to get into and that bit more palatable. So the things that I, I love about Returnal... I think are similar to some of the things that I love about Hades, um, which I believe was my game of the year last year. Um, Returnal does things in a different way. It is a roguelike that kind of, it builds on previous cycles and you are rewarded in some small ways, but just in nowhere near the way that you are in something like Hades. The rewards aren't as, and perhaps as it sounds as well in Loop Hero, the rewards aren't as forthcoming some of the reward, as I think for some people, as naff as this sounds, some of the reward comes from you gaining knowledge about your surroundings and the enemies you're facing. And that might be the only thing that you get out of a, out of a run, out of a, a cycle, a loop, whatever you want to term it. Um, which I can understand is, for some people, is just not enough. There's just not enough there pulling you back. But I went back and, yeah, played it recently. And it everything, I think, from... There's like an, it's silly to say, but there's an otherworldliness to it. I mean, it is literally set on an alien planet, so there would be. But there's an otherworldliness to it, even in even in terms of it's set on an alien planet, that it doesn't, it creates this mood in this atmosphere that for me is just kind of the right side of creepy or the right side of like it, uh, making the familiar unfamiliar. 
it kind of there's like a Lovecraftian thing going on with it that it just it twists things and it just makes like from the music to the to the the sort of the world design um and the narrative that's threaded through that there's just enough of you not really understanding what's going on um or thinking that you do but it's just a little bit off things are just like it's like that thing of catching something out of the corner of your eye and thinking it's one thing and then you turn and it's something else it's all of that in terms of a tone and a mood works brilliantly for me and i play with headphones on and it's just like it really is a game that absorbs me um and then it just feels it just feels awesome to play like i love the the layers of it and how i've kind of leveled up as a player and things that i remember used to be really challenging for me are no longer challenging not because i've unlocked a load of extra gear and i now can just take things in my stride but because i as a player have leveled up and Mm -hmm. the decision making is now sort of cranked up a few gears um and i'm thinking much more about like when to use certain consumables and when to activate um like adrenaline to level up my adrenaline if that's been knocked down to zero and like there's just a lot of i think it's again it's this notion of like learning the language of the game and that has changed me from just trying to survive the game to actively taking the game on and looking for specific things and looking for like the meta progression um it sounds like you've become neo after he figures out <laughs> how to interact with the matrix it, it, there is a, yeah do you know i think but like like with any game like, and i'm sure you've had sort of a similar thing with i don't know something like apex or certain things where you you go into it or gtfo or perhaps any of the games that you've you've talked about already but you go into it understanding it on one level and then you realize there's so much more to it and it's that thing of like the more you know the more you realize you don't know and it's like oh okay and i'm I'm I like that. I like that that's all there before me and it's there for me to go and chase rather than it being kind of very neatly handed to me which is I don't I kind of say that I don't mean to sound that that, that sound negative or like it's you know like games that don't do it this way are pandering to the player because that's not true but it's I do like the pursuit. I like that it's like something for me to really get my teeth into and and to think a lot about. It's is there an element as well of because um, you know well I don't know if you know but like if you well, if you like learn a musical instrument for mm. example then there's a certain point where the instrument just clicks mm-hmm. right and then and then you're suddenly much better and this happened to me learning a couple of different instruments and literally you go to bed one day and you don't feel that good or that confident and you get up the next day and you play and it's like wow like I'm so much better now mm. like it's all suddenly clicked and I think what that actually is is it's you becoming I don't mean to sound like so cliche but it's like you becoming one with the instrument in the sense that you're no longer saying okay how do I play this chord how do I do this chord how do I do and then your a lot of your mental mm. function is going on the actual mechanics mm-hmm. of playing that chord or playing that transition or whatever and it's now just about how do I, I know how to play that chord intimately. So now how do I just do the best thing with that? So you're focusing on the art yes. rather than the creation, rather than the craft. Yeah. And sometimes that happens in video games as well, in that suddenly the game clicks and you're no longer kind of consciously thinking, how do I shoot? How do I aim? How do I link the aiming into the movement and whatever? Yeah. It, it, you just know the game so intimately that it's all just about action at that point. It's about how do I use these things that I'm now uh, that are now I'm one yeah. with in 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 a in a you know you've mastered it to yes. an extent basically. Yeah. I think it, um, no, it, it absolutely is that. Yeah, you stop. Yeah, I kind of stopped thinking about the building blocks and the individual notion of 
a melee attack and i now understand intrinsically it feels like clo- like just in terms of distances and timings and do i have enough time to get to that enemy to melee them before they fire and hit me and then disrupt my adrenaline um yeah and all of that is happening in a split yeah, second Scott. yes and then once you have that level of understanding you then start seeing it in a different way like you described a bit like neo like you understand start understanding how things interact and you start making decisions on a different level and you start like uh tackling things in a different order or choosing to go into a room with loads of enemies because you can then build up your adrenaline because then that means you can collect more of the ooblets or ooblites the the currency uh, once your adrenaline's higher, which means you can then get access to set. So there's a lot of like levels mm. of interaction where even though on the very first level, for me at least, the very first layer of decision making was still rewarding and exciting. Clearly it was, you know, rewarding enough to carry to sort of persevere with it where other people felt it it was a bit too prickly or they just didn't like it. And then it feels like there's there's just constantly more more tiers and levels of decision making to be made. Um yeah and it's just incredibly rewarding and yeah to just the the just moving around and the actual art of combat in the game is yeah is just very satisfying um i'm not blind to its flaws by any means but it is having gone back to it recently it feels really good it's like oh yeah i i remember how this i had to you know familiarize myself with the controls of yeah that's how that feels and then it's done it's like okay i'm i'm good to go now um yeah, and there's just a million things of like you can you can choose how you interact with it. You can choose how long a run you do. Whether you hit every room, do you just get to the next biome as quickly as possible? How do you want to play it, basically? And I, I think a lot of the games on this list are for me. I like that. It's like how do you want to interact with this game, and it it will give me something back uh, based on that decision. So yeah, Returnal is um, is my game of the year, twenty twenty one. All right, so there we have it. GTFO and Returnal, Game of the Year. Two very grim, grim worlds. Happy Christmas. <laughs> what a cheerful, cheerful 2021 <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, let us, know, let us know what you think your... Um, not, what, not what you think. Let us know what your Game of the Year is. Do you agree, disagree with any um, of the nominees, any of the candidates that we have offered us or offered up let us know on twitter we are at indie by design we're at indie by design on all social media networks and you can also visit us at indiebydesign.net where you'll find information on all of the books that we have written and released including 20 double fine years which we uh which we mentioned earlier which does feature psychonauts 2 and features uh quite literally every other game that uh tim schaefer and double fine have created uh otherwise i guess all that's left to do is wish everyone a a happy christmas and we'll be back properly in the new year so we'll see you then Mm -hmm.